before we get into the podcast today, I want to share an exciting opportunity for you and your leadership team. Now, our team at Lifeway Leadership is bringing the ever-popular Pipeline Conference to Orange County, California on February 22nd. So Pipeline West, as we're calling it, will be an event like none other. You have to come, you have to attend, because it's not just a conference, it's a training conference. You and your team will walk away with practical steps to launch your leadership pipeline at your church. You'll hear from Carrie Newoff, Albert Tate, Tom Rayner, Eric Geiger, Daniel M., and more. This event will have plenary sessions, shorter practical TED-style talks, and Q&A with speakers. So we also offer a second day that you'll want to take a look at. It provides coaching and implementation help for you and your team. So join us at Pipeline West. Get your tickets at myleadershippipeline.com. Once again, that's myleadershippipeline.com. Now, enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And Lane Grimes. I don't have a fun little intro. <laughs> yes. Lane but I'm glad to be here. Is not a dude. No. Not a dude. No. Uh, which you were just um, talking about a little bit as your role has shifted. She originally came on to our team as an admin, and now she's shifted over into events and... Case in point, leadership pipeline. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it, it, so, yes, we do smoke what we sell. And we bring people in and hopefully um, get them to a place that is, is better than they were by hopefully developing them. Lane was pretty much good to go when she came in. We just let her do more stuff and she proved herself faithful. Yeah. And very capable. But today, what are we talking about, Daniel? We're talking about administration, right? Just all around. And not, not to say that. And let's just be really clear here, right? Because we talked about leadership pipeline and all that. It's not that if you're an administrator that that's not a good job. No. And that's the bottom of the totem that's pole. Right. That's not what we're talking about here. The point of leadership pipeline is becoming more of who God has called you to be. The The point of leadership pipeline is not progression up the pipeline. Yeah, it's, it's being who God's created you to be a yeah. multiply yourself there. Mm-hmm. No position in any church or organization should be a cul-de-sac position. Yeah. But in most of our churches and organizations, the administrative assistant role is treated as a cul-de-sac position, meaning there's no there's nowhere to go. I right. mean, you know, there's no on-ramps to other things. So, but what we want to talk about today is how to hire an admin well. Yeah. Questions, skills, qualities, mistakes, onboarding, everything you need to know about hiring an admin. So let's get into the first question, which is how do you know it's time to hire an administrator? What do you think, Lane? Oh, that's a it's a tough question because there's no easy answer. And I think there's a couple different considerations. The first one is if it's a replacement you know, you know what's working and what's not. Yeah. And so if you're not getting what you need, if things are being forgotten, if you're seeing mistakes, it's time to think about it. If it's a new position, um, you know, there's budget considerations, there's other staffing, but from a ministry leader standpoint, you need to be doing what you as a pastor ministry director can do. And if you're spending your time in the weeds of administration, it's time to get yourself some help so you can focus on teaching, preaching, developing, leaders, you know, training and not managing 
expense reports and calendar appointments and emails. But there's there's a certain level of capacity that we're talking about here, simply because if you if you think about it, there are roles in both ministry and business that traditionally had an administrative assistant that maybe in the last 30 years, as technology has progressed and tools have been developed, are those positions maybe no longer need one. So for instance, um, Trevin Wax and I, uh, if you don't know Trevin Wax, Google him. He's <laughs> awesome. Uh, and he uh, stewards our Bibles in CSB. So, uh, you know, he's got a lot going on. Um, so, but our position was basically, we, we basically said, hey, we don't both require a full-time person um, let's make sure that we split that role. So there are very few people at Lifeway, and I mean a very, very few. I can only think of three off the top of my head that have a person that um, is solely dedicated to them mm-hmm. from an admin position. So think about that and consider that as you think whether or not you need one. And then also think about you know dual roles that a person might have. A person that is good at administration might also be good at project management or events or a lot of a different things. So I would say um, don't just think of it as an exclusive role. And I would always encourage you to think of it as a long-term um, development opportunity as well. So, yeah, I, I like that initial distinguishing mark, Lane, that you set out for us in the sense that it's, hey, are you replacing someone or is this a brand new position? Because sometimes if it's a brand okay, yeah, we talked about if you're replacing and then you can kind of decide – what worked well, what didn't, who should I then, you know, you can kind of tweak along the way. But if it's a brand new position, sometimes, especially if you're looking at, I mean, what I do here at Lifeway New Churches, and we talk a lot about new campuses, new church plants and all that. And, and, and a lot of times you'll get a church planter coming in and they're like, oh, I need to, I need to hire a full-time administrator. I need to, because I don't like the details. Well, the fact is, I mean, everyone has to be about details. You may not want a hundred percent of your job to be about that, but you still need to be about details. So when you do hire an administrator, as much as there's the whole philosophy around, and I'm a big advocate for, hey, understand what your strengths are, find a complementary partnership, someone else on your team, whether it's a team member or administrator who can complement where they're strong at what you're weak at. But that's not to say that now all of a sudden you are not responsible for getting the job done. Because if you are the person hiring an administrator, you are still the person responsible for getting it done. You have help now, but you still need to own that. You're not delegating ownership. That's good. That's a very good word. Um, okay, so I, I would add um, maybe one more thing, and that is I, I do think we need to address kind of a new thing, which is outsourcing mm-hmm. your admin. So outsourcing as in contract work, someone who's local or digital, like a digital? I think it could be both. I mean, there's companies that, you know, um, like Belay or or different companies that offer service of, hey, you can use a person for how long you need them. And do you need them eight hours? Only use them for eight hours. If you you need all these things done, you'll maybe need a little bit more. Um, So they offer that scalability. If you're in a place where, Hey, I may not need a full-time person or even a part-time person. I need kind of a part, part-time part person. And that could be a good way to test the waters too. 
to kind of see, you know, is this yeah. really a need? How much time do I really need before you invest in either a, a hire that you, you know, then are kind of stuck with either at part-time or full-time. Good deal. Yeah, that is good. Why don't we go to question two, which is what are the qualities and skills you should look for? State the obvious. You want someone who is detail oriented, someone organized, um, you know, someone that thinks in systems that loves spreadsheets. But I think some of the other things that tend to be overlooked when you're looking for an administrative assistant is, you know, you need someone that's technologically savvy that can keep up with the latest and greatest because that's a big chunk of what they do. Mm. You need someone who um, has good people skills, you know, can communicate well, but isn't necessarily the life of the party because you don't want someone who spends more time with people than sitting down getting your stuff done. Um, and I think you want someone that can work well independently and can problem solve well, because you want to be able to turn your stuff as a ministry leader, a pastor, you want to be able to hand a project off and only be bothered with it when there's questions that, that your assistant can't answer. And so she or he has to be able to make some of those executive decisions, um, and problem solve well. So, so was there, I mean, cause previously to come into Lifeway, you were serving as an administrator at a, at a church, mm-hmm. correct? Right. So, so prior to that, or even during that position and, and what you were doing here at Lifeway before leading our events strategy and all that for Lifeway leadership, did you find that there was a particular way you learned qualities and skills, these qualities and skills, or I mean, how does someone develop and grow in them? Yeah, I think it's a balance of, of your giftings. You know, you've got to have the ability to love sitting down with a spreadsheet, you know, and you either do or you don't. Todd does not love sitting down with spreadsheets like I love sitting down with spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, but then I think it's as as someone who knows that I'm a gifted administrator, I surrounded myself with people and tools that would help me build those skills. You know, I know how to use a spreadsheet. I know how to create a PowerPoint. But when I wasn't great at it, I found out who could help me be greater. Mm. And that's hard in church world because you often don't have other people around you. So sometimes you have to look outside of other staff. You've got to connect with other churches. You've got to look for um, online resources you can utilize. You know, you're often tied to a budget, so you don't have a lot of training budgets. You have to be a little bit creative. But um, I think the way that you develop those the best is to to use people around you if they're there. And then if not, you're going to have to get creative. But you have to just try. I mean, part of it is you just have to be willing to take things on and say, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to figure out how because I know this is something I want to be good at. Yeah. Um, I would I would add attitude. Mm, um, that's a good Because, one. you know, there's people can develop uh, a lot of other skill sets and things like that. But, you know, the attitude that they come to the work with is a big deal. The other thing would be passion. If they're passionate about um, the church, then that is is great. Now, sometimes uh, they can be too passionate or too tied to it uh, from a, a personal way. So there may be a person who's very engaged and embedded in the church and they've been there for 30 years and their family's there and suddenly they come on staff as an admin and wow, they just saw behind the curtain and you basically yeah. just ruined a church forever. Yeah, there's person. no going back there's after no you. no going back after that. Behind that. Um, so bear that in mind and keep that in mind when you're you're looking for somebody that attitude and passion is really important. Um, but yeah, always consider 
if you've got an internal person who is already doing a significant amount, then maybe that's not the person that, you know, you need to, you need to bring in. Um, maybe it is somebody from outside because I've seen it work in both ways um, where a person who uh, is the admin doesn't even go to the church, mm-hmm. but they handle, you know, all the, all the administrative duties for an executive office or something like that. And so I've seen it work that way as well. And both in both cases, it works as well as one more, one more, sorry. I just thought of another one. Um, the ambassador versus bulldog. So in some way, and some guys will look for someone who can represent them be an emissary, an emissary, I guess, for them. Um, and then some guys are like, no, uh, they want, or either that it turns out to be a, a bulldog who just protects um, their time, their space, everything. I mm-hmm. tend to not go for that type of admin. You, you got to come up with two more personas for a quadrant time. <laughs> uh, give me a That'd minute. be a good one for 90, 90SL. <laughs> for admins? Yeah, a quadrant. Emissary, are you an emissary? Are you a bulldog? bulldog? And there are two more. Something about your approach to... All right, give me ownership. Give me, give me a little time to work. <laughs> hey, uh, while, while Todd's drawing that out, uh, you know, if you haven't yet looked up our 90SL videos on YouTube, you gotta check that out. Just hashtag 90SL leadership, and you'll find all of the ones that we've done. Uh, it's one of the things that we do with Lifeway Leadership. In addition to those great 90 second videos, I mean, just check out ministrygrid.com as well because we actually have created a course around some of the 90SL videos too that you can get access to with discussion questions and all that as well. But you know what, Lane, before we get to that next question, I just want to, you know, if you were sitting down with your boss when you were still an administrator mm-hmm. and you were talking about development, let's say annual review. Mm-hmm. It's that time of year where hopefully development is not only talked about during your <laughs> yes, annual review, right. but let's say you are in that annual review time and typically development does come up. What would you wish that your previous bosses would have helped you with knowing what you know about development and the importance of that? Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think one of the things that pastors and ministry leaders tend to do is under communicate things they're not happy about Mm. because they have a pastor's heart. And so they, you know, they don't want to be critical. They want to cut you some slack, but your administrative assistant wants to know what needs to be changed to serve you better. You know, my job was to make that person's, that pastor's life easier. And if I didn't know a tweak needed to be made, Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to intuitively necessarily figure that out. So I think one of the things that in a developmental sense is tell us what you don't like and give us a chance to change that and to make your life easier and to make us better at what we do. Um, From a personal development side, I think we underestimate the fact that administrative assistants can do more than tasks. And Todd mm-hmm. kind of alluded to this, make them your project managers, ask mm-hmm. them what mm-hmm. they want to do. You know, what do they want to take on? You're, you're smirking over there. Do I'm you smirking because you're, you're feeding right into, <laughs> right into your quadrant. quadrant. Ooh, it happens live. It's right on there. This episode right of there. So <laughs> I did productive, uh, product. Hey, protect- you got to let her finish. Man. Okay, go ahead. 
Well, that, that was it. <laughs> Ask them what they want to do. If they could take on something else, what project would they want to take on? You know, maybe they want to take on all of the membership records yeah. or maybe they want to take over managing the attendance, mm. things that you don't want to do anyway, right. that you might be able to easily transition because they have a passion you know, for new members or they have a passion to figure out how to help attendance numbers grow or stabilize or whatever. That's good. And and the only way you're going to get to that point, one of the things that we do in our pipeline coaching and Todd, what I think we've brought probably about 2000 church leaders, pastors through our coaching process already, right? With leadership pipeline. So in, in that, in that we talk about this idea of a gradual release of responsibility Mm -hmm. and Lane, you know, if, if you with an, and an administrator with their supervisor, you know, instead of the supervisor or the pastor saying, okay, now I listen to this podcast. Here's all the stuff that I don't want to do. You take it over. I mean, that would be unwise. You got to start you got to start with one thing at a time and and begin to gradually release the responsibility as you test competence and responsibility mm-hmm. and faithfulness and aptitude and learning. So, but that's, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Now Todd's well, like <laughs> about to jump out of his seat here with this quadrant. Well, okay, wait, I'll do the quadrant in just a second. One of the things I would say that is, is interesting about that. So if we look back when, um, when Lane came in the door, um, I told her, what? What did I tell you? I mean, before you were even hired. Are you talking about the three to five years? Yeah. yeah. If I'm three still in years. the same position in three years, then you haven't done your job. I haven't done my job because she should either be promoted or stolen from somebody else or by somebody else. So, but it also during that first year, I'm having her read um, both books and summaries that I know that are important to the organization. So I know the things that from a, a leading up perspective, um, a, a podcast that we recently recorded, I know what's important. I know the books that are important um, to the leadership. And so I'm helping prepare her to speak well, to understand what's going on. Why? Because of this quadrant. Protective and productive. So if you if you look at these if you look at these as the axis, um, ultimately I want to be up in the right hand corner. That's the emissary. That's the person that is going to represent uh, represent me and this organization, this church, well. Um, to the left of that, you've got the bulldog. They're just completely protective. It's the classic version. Then um, bottom right, you have workhorse. So that's a person that's all productive, um, but they're not thinking about the overall church. They're not weighing into it. They're not passionate about what's going on there. And then you have the desk warmer that's in the bottom. Mm, dude, that's good. that, that needs like to be a 90 SL. I don't know if it's, if, if it's 90 SL, but um, you asked for a quadrant. So yeah, no, I just want to definitely has to be 90 SL. <laughs> but what we, what, what I'm doing there is it's not just for her. It's also for me, and it's also for our organization because she's going to be able to prioritize things better. She's going to understand what's going on a lot better. Um, so it's good for her. It's good for me, and it it helps her move from workhorse to emissary. Yeah. Now this this is interesting, and Lane, I don't think I've ever shared this with you. I don't know if Todd has, but the the question behind the comment that I'm about to say is. Should you even hire someone who you don't see, if you don't see potential in them to grow, 
uh, and, and to continue? Because before you were hired, as we were kind of looking at, hey, who should fill this position, Todd himself, I mean, you said three to five years, but I mean, <laughs> what you shared with me was in a year or two, mm-hmm. I mean, Lane has the potential on paper and in interviewing and all that stuff to just to, to grow and, and, and to advance way beyond what she's initially brought into. So even when we were talking about you, Lane, I mean, the, the whole idea was, hey, this is a temporary position that you're coming into now. So should you? Should you hire someone well, I'm who you weird. don't see potential? I mean, I would be on the current role. I would say I'm a, a little weird in that regard, but if I wasn't, I shouldn't have the job that I do. But, yeah, I mean, you are a people developer. I mean, that's huge. But the the I I think um, the thing is there are some positions and some I think it's personality and preference to a certain degree. I would love to say, hey, you always want to develop the people under your care, or you're not a leader if you're not developing people. That's just not the case but um there will be guys who will say i need this to be a stable position Mm -hmm. i need somebody that's going to be there long term that i can count on i don't want to have to i don't have to think about it mess with it you know and and so those guys will typically be the guys that are you know i'm looking for the the older lady that's going to be almost a mother to me they're going to take care of going to take care of my needs um, versus take care of business. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing is I think the, you know, the old days where you would have the pastor and his secretary who were together for 30 years, it doesn't happen anymore, especially as you think about millennials, you know, how quickly, and I can't remember whatever the stat is, but the turnover rate of millennials in jobs is ridiculous and not even outside of an organization, even within an organization. So I think it's, it's a little short sighted, even if that's your preference to be comfortable, it's a little short sighted from an organizational standpoint. And I think it's an unrealistic expectation to expect that you're going to hire an assistant that is going to be content to be your assistant for years and years and years. Because I mean, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. I would say, if you're you're not looking at a younger hire for sure, that's true. Then, but I will say to uh, younger listeners, you should be open to that. If I had it to do over again, I would have been an executive assistant somewhere along the way. I mean, There's I mean, nowhere <laughs> that you will ever see. I know I'm laughing, laughing at, at the fact thought. that you would be an executive yeah, assistant. Well, here, here's I, the can thing. Do, I can pull it off. Job, you know, job satisfaction, <laughs> right? Someone feeling meaning and just really loving coming to work. You know, work is life. Life is work. There's just where where that synergy takes place. It's not necessarily always the position, mm-hmm. right? There's so much more that goes into it. Even if you look at the Gallup Q12 survey, they talk about aspects like, has someone talked to you about your development in the last year? Yeah. Do you have a friend at work, right? And there are all these measures of engagement that goes way beyond what you actually do, right? So let's actually move to the third question uh, in light of that. Because part of the third question is identifying, I mean, really trying to identify that person who that right role that right fit is. And that okay. third question is? I'll ask this okay. one because uh, I was able to get my phone up in time to <laughs> see the question. Uh, what interview questions should you ask mm. an admin? Y'all, one of my pet peeves is yes or no questions. Don't <laughs> ask somebody yes or no questions in an interview. Loaded yes or no questions. Or loaded yes or no <laughs> questions. Yes. No. I don't like those questions. 
Are you comfortable with Excel? Yes. I, if I wasn't, I shouldn't know. <laughs> and if I'm not, I know you want me to say yes. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the best and worst questions that you've ever been asked, Lane, during an interview? You know, when I think about my interview days, there's one particular interview that stands out. And it wasn't a question so much as a task that I was given. When I came in for my interview, they sat me down in front of a computer, handed me a slip of paper with you know, some names and phone numbers on it and said, you know, I want you to throw this into an Excel doc and email it to me. And I literally kind of looked at the guy like he was crazy because I thought, how hard is that? So I asked him a couple of questions. You know, do you want an alphabetical? Do you want, you know, names in the same column, that kind of thing? And he answered and went on. And, you know, five minutes later, I finished. And he said, I wasn't, I was looking a little bit at your technical skill, but I wanted to see how you handled the task. He wanted to see if I was going to ask questions about what he wanted and if I was going to deliver what he said he needed. Mm. And I thought that was brilliant because it was a really simple task that did show if I was familiar with the technology, you know, could I put together a spreadsheet and create some bold headings and email it. But he wanted to see what my thought process was in, in my processing of the task because he wanted to see if I thought systematically. That's good. And I thought that was just brilliant. So I used that, several times after that because it was really good and it was easy. You sit someone down at a computer, you know, as long as they have an internet connection, they can use their own email to send an email. So there's Mm -hmm. nothing, you know, confidential that gets out there. Any time an interview goes beyond just questions and you can exemplify or or test whether or not they're actually, they can do the work. Because, I mean, there's enough interview books out there Mm -hmm. and podcasts and you can, you can game it. You can fake it. Yes. <laughs> you know, so fake you it till yes, you make it. You can. Totally. But when you have a task like that, then it's like, hey, when rubber meets the road, how are you going to handle this? Mm-hmm. Right. So any any other any other exercises or thoughts you think would be helpful uh, to be able to test competence, you think, during the interview process? Um, this isn't necessarily an exercise, but one of the questions that I like to use when I'm hiring um, is to ask what in their current job they enjoy the most, mm. because that's really telling. Are they going to talk about the database that they got to create or yeah, um, the the systems that they get to put in place? Or are they going to talk about the fact that they get to go to meetings and be with other people and not, you know, one's bad or the other, but it tells you a lot about where they find their fulfillment yeah. and where they are most comfortable in their job because you want someone who likes those databases and who likes those processes more than what they want to sit in the fun meetings. Yeah. So I think that's a good question that it's not, it doesn't lead them anywhere. It gives them a chance to speak to what they find most interesting and you can interpret. I like that. I like that. Yeah. You're always, you're always trying to look beyond the question, mm-hmm. right? Two of my favorite questions during an interview process are, you know, tell me a story of when you failed. Oh, that's good. Because if an individual can't share a story of when they mm-hmm. failed, you know, then are they going to always cover things up? And mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has failed. Yes. <laughs> you know, and how transparent are they going to be? Are they going to hesitate? How? So just the whole reaction beyond that, behind that. And then the second question I really like asking is, uh, tell me your eight-year-old self. Like, tell me who you were as an eight-year-old. Oh, that's good. Because then you can kind of see... Okay, how did they act as mm-hmm. an eight-year-old? And I mean, yeah, <laughs> you, I mean, you can you can learn a lot about a person from from that. Todd, how about you? Okay. Some of your favorite questions. Uh, I'm referencing a uh, a blog that I wrote: top ten ministry interview questions and how to answer <laughs> them. That's on uh, Life with Leadership. 
Um, but uh, before I looked at this, it was one of the ones I always love to ask is, do you have any questions for me? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. if they say no, then, <laughs> then I'm like, wow, how do you not have any questions? Yeah, exactly. Um, now so I'm trying a, to think if I had any questions when you interviewed me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one. Uh, the other one. You're here. so Yes, yeah, I've asked. <laughs> um, yours was as much of a personality test as uh, an interview. If you, it was a little bit. Yeah. She's, I'm, I'm, I think, I think I stated at the end of the interview or during the interview, I think this is probably the, the most odd interview you've ever had. It was an odd interview. Well, first <laughs> not in of a all, bad way, us, but yeah. yeah, two of us yeah. there. And then and you both had very different styles of how you oh, were looking yeah, for okay. information. Okay. So he was, he was going to be totally the, the typical interview question. So I was your off the wall. I mean, I didn't ask, you know, if you're a waterfall, what kind of waterfall would you be or something? But <laughs> Are there different kinds of waterfalls? or latte? <laughs> well, that's one? like one from like the 90s that was a frequently – there were some whacked out things. If you were 90s. a Star Wars character, which character would you be? Um, the other one is how do you handle conflict? And then tell me about the last time you had a significant conflict yeah. with um, yeah. your boss and someone else mm. that you worked with. That's good. Because if you mm. haven't, then you're probably not doing a whole, whole – you're not risking, you're not yeah. – yeah. And it really depends on the position, but it also depends on the, I mean, an admin position, there's going to be conflict at some point with your boss. There's going to be. There will be. So. Yes. And just like there are love languages, there are conflict languages, <laughs> <laughs> right? Approaches. So some people clamor up, other people just kind of hold it in to you as well. And, and then, so how are you going to verbalize it? Or mm -hmm. and there, there's all that that you need to look to. But the fourth question is, is it kind of ties into what we're doing right now. I'm expecting you to make a quadrant after you <laughs> ask, ask, ask this question. Uh, it's what are the biggest mistakes churches make when hiring an admin? And I think not doing question three really well yeah. is one of the biggest mistakes because you're just someone's left or you need to, you know, someone's going on maternity leave or someone's been promoted, your previous administrators or, you know, life changes happen and you just, you need someone there. You need someone there and you're just hiring way too fast. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes. Uh, can I, I, I go first this time? Yeah. Well, it's technically second because I just went. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest mistake that I see people make, not just the hiring admins, but uh, everybody is they don't check references. Yeah. Yes. I can't tell you how many times I have had somebody on staff had an issue with somebody they hired and I would say, well, what did their references say when you hired them? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't call any. References. Well, cause typically they say, Oh, what do you even get from a reference? Anyway, they can't really say anything negative to you. So how, how would you respond to that? I would say, um, you call their reference and you ask very pointed questions, uh, and then you ask the reference for someone else that knows them well. Ding, 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 ding. Which I don't even know if it's legal. So, oh, it's not. Well, I don't know. maybe I didn't maybe say probably ding, not. Ding, there's ding, so ding. many. There's so many. <laughs> I'll just rules say quietly. HR stuff. <laughs> but I always. That's what I always did. Hey, can you tell me somebody else that knows this person well? And that's a really easy step to skip because you feel like you've got the candidate you want. You've put all this time and effort in. You need them to start quickly. And it takes time because, you know, it could take a day or two to get a reference to call you back or email you back or whatever. And it's a really easy step to skip. Yeah, because sometimes who they put as references is indicative as well. 
word, right? Yeah. So it's interesting. All right. Well, we're coming to the end. So I think we have one more question. Then we can bring it home. All right. So what are the keys to onboarding an admin well? So I think a lot of times guys will be like, well, they're, they're like, I don't know how to onboard them. They Very just true. Start. I mean, they're so Lane, what would you say? Oh, how, how to onboard well? I have an answer for this because I have experienced both. Um, one of the first things you want to do is you want to recognize as a pastor and ministry leader that you don't know how the processes in your church work. What? I know. Of course I do. Yes, you think you no, do. And then you find you really Believe haven't been doing them right. So you want to connect them with another administrative assistant. Yes. Um, who can serve as a mentor. You know, connect them with someone, another assistant that you know does a good job who can help train them well in the things that you don't know how to train them in. Um, and let that person run point a lot of times on their onboarding and making sure they're up to speed from a, from a director or a boss standpoint, don't dump everything at once. Start with like, here's my day to day. Here's how I like you to handle my calendar. Here's how I like to take phone calls. Here's how I like to schedule my appointments. Here's how I want you to handle my email, the stuff that they need to do on a day to day basis get that out there first, let them get a handle on that and then start with some of the projects of, you know, here are some things that I'm working on, you know, with my life group leaders or with here's something we're trying to tackle for our VBS program. Don't dump everything at once because you will overwhelm them and they will get frustrated and you won't get what you need. Yeah. I mean, when it relates to onboarding, developing, learning, there's this principle that I've talked about, I think a few times here on this podcast and also on the new churches one this idea of the 70-20-10 principle. Uh, and that, that's the whole idea. I talk about it at length and tease it out in my book, No Silver Bullets. But it's this idea that when you learn, 70% of the way that you learn is by doing, 20% by feedback and conversation, and 10% by by actual like formal learning and development. Now, there are some people who have said, hey, in light of that, is the 10% not important at all then? No, it is because it introduces new paradigms, introduces new ideas, new ways of doing things. But the way that that develops and cements is often by the doing and by the interaction. So while we were sitting here and just talking about development and what that even looks like, I was just on Ministry Grid looking up development, right? Looking up there's so I mean, there's like, what, 700 courses, 3000 videos, attachments, PDFs quizzes, all that stuff that's here. And it's so neat to see, you know, how you can grow in ministry development, leadership development, and, and just the, the number of courses that came up when I just searched development is crazy. So, I mean, what, what does it look like even here for the onboarding, right? Because that's what the question's right. about for onboarding to actually have it where, hey, yeah, here are things that I need to get done that you're going to be responsible for right from the get go, but also also, here's your development path from day one. I mean, what kind of posture do you think mm -hmm. that would, or, or how do you think that would feel? Yeah, <laughs> and that would, I mean, just to have a plan laid out, I think it's really easy to to underestimate the fact that your, your administrative assistant needs that as much as your ministry leaders. Mm. You know, you pour into and develop your ministry leaders. You say, here's our, you know, here's our five-year plan for student ministry or, you know, whatever. You don't have that for your administrative staff. Mm. And that's a missing component that that could really up your quality of talent. Yeah. Right, right. I would say, um, you know, too, thinking about having like a 90-day uh, set of goals and some milestones in there 
so that everybody is upfront and clear about, hey, this is what the full weight of this role looks like. This is not what we're going to start you at. Um, but 90 days in, we want you to be up and running and have, you know, be fully on your feet, on your own and putting points on the board. Um, so I, I think the interesting thing about that is people, it's it's kind of a sink or swim mentality most of the time, but I don't think it should be. So uh, making sure that you sit down with the person and give them clear expectations uh, and as Daniel said, you know, we believe that uh, transformation happens when you have knowledge, experience and coaching. So the coaching element of this, everybody has to be upfront and open about too, to say, hey, um, I'm going to I want you to you know, be able to prioritize email well and to know what is more important than than other things that aren't so important. So as we go through this process and I see something that doesn't line up with what you know, what, what the goal is, then we're going to address that. Now that's not, I'm not upset with you. I'm not, you know, we have to be comfortable with that. We have to be comfortable stating that up front and being clear up front so that it can be something that, um, the person doesn't feel like you're just being negative or dumping on them or I'm no good at this. You know, it's be very affirming, but also help them help them grow. Don't let them just figure it out over the course of time, but be really proactive. Good deal. Well, thanks again for listening to the five leadership questions podcast. We hope that this episode was helpful for you in understanding how to develop the administrators that are on your team, develop the staff members, the volunteers, the individuals that are all around you, and also how to hire an admin when you do need one. Thanks, Lane, for being with us. Thanks for having me. Peace out. Wait, don't don't go yet. Don't hold up. Okay, so we are doing Pipeline West in the OC. That's right, Southern California. February 22nd and 23rd. So February 22nd is the actual conference day. That's Carrie Newoff, Tom Rayner, Eric Geiger, myself, Daniel M., Albert Tate. These people will all be bringing it for sure. You want to be there, not only because it's going to be great content, but it's February, okay? And this is California. So it's a, the sunny in 76 is good to be at any time of year, but especially in February. Hope to see you there.